In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes to us and unites us together in His love. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I asked you the question before service, do you love your family? And if you're sitting next to them, you better have said yes. And if not, you can get away with saying whatever you wanted really to. Family is kind of tough to love sometimes, aren't they? You know, we're, we're looking forward to, to Thanksgiving, and uh, um, my parents are, are coming down. And uh, that's actually the family that I, I like in my family. Um, I, I was raised overseas, and I didn't get to see the rest of my family, um, that, that extended part of your family. Um, I didn't get to see them except for like every three years. And so because of that, I really didn't have to deal with them that much. And, um, and so it was kind of like, oh, okay, we, we go to the States, and um, then we see our cousins, and, oh, it's done, good, um, let's go back to real life. Um, and my real family, and, uh, and, and the people that I actually do love, um, and, and all of that. Because this, these family people, these cousins and uncles, and everybody else, I mean, you probably grew up with your cousins and uncles, but I had the, the particularly weird spot of coming to see these people just as who they were. I mean, sometimes you see them and you're like, oh yeah, that's my cousin. I like them because they're my cousin. I came here and I was like, oh, that's a stranger. <laughs> and one that I don't particularly want to get to know. <laughs> But here we are, and it's Christmas, so have some eggnog. It was weird. I mean, the people, think about the people that are in your family. Think about the people that are coming over for Thanksgiving, or you're going to their place for Thanksgiving. Think about the people that send you those cards that have that sort of, you know, I had to sign this sort of signature in it. Um, this is the only time that you ever hear from great Aunt Uncle Jerry um, is when he's signing that card. Or, or maybe you, you know the other Uncle Jerry, the Uncle Jerry that falls asleep on the couch after watching too much football and telling too many, well, sort of questionable jokes. If you really start to think about who your family is, you probably come to uh, the realization that, just like your friends, these are people that you, you have to want to love them. Sure, they share some of your same biology and genetics and stuff like that, but maybe that makes it a little bit easier to get along with. But oftentimes the people that we're, we're called to love, sometimes it's kind of hard to like them. See, family is... it's just another group of people that we have to decide hey, I, I love this person I, I really do and that doesn't take away from them being family if anything it adds to their spot in your life as family that you have to actually say you know cousin even though we're just 
millennia apart in how we think and how we act and what our lives are like. I love you. That's what loving family is really sort of all about. It's this sort of needing to and and wanting to love them. Because, I mean, even after a little while, you know, even if you're just amused by their, their genetics... And uh, and they you say, share their genetics, and you, you might even enjoy kind of looking at them and um, saying, oh, "Oh, they're a lot like me." Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. You look at them and you say, "Is that what I'm going to look like when I get older?" Oh, you have to want to love them, regardless of that genetic connection. It's a connection that doesn't have everything to do with how many genes you share, as many of you know that are adopted or in different family situations. It has to do with that love that you share. John, the epistle writer for our epistle lesson today, talks about that love. He talks about that familial Love that God has for us. And he says it just right from the beginning of that, that reading. He says, look at the kind of love that the Father has given to us. Isn't this a great thing that the Father has given us this love for one another? And it is. I mean, if, if it's a miracle that we can love the people that we're related to, it's even more of a miracle that we can love the people that we're in church with. Right? I mean, have you seen some of the people that go to church here? Uh, it's pretty amazing to see that love that the Father has given to us. And then he goes on to say a little bit more about how that love actually is all sorts of things. That that love is great, how that love is powerful, and even how that love is transformative. That's what this whole preaching series is about. We're going all the way to Christ the King Sunday, which will be the next time that you see white around here. In just about two weeks. And at that point we're going to ask you some sort of specific questions about some stuff that we've asked you to think about during these sermons. And those are all going to come back to how God can transform your life. And one of the ways that He transforms your life is by the people that you love. How great is the Father's love for us that He doesn't just give His love to us, but He gives it to other people. And that we can then see how He loves them and love them and love Him. And it's this whole great thing. It looks like the Trinity, actually, if you think about it. Just one person loving another who's loving another who's loving another. Isn't it great? 
But so often, we just don't really understand why I'm supposed to love this weirdo who's sitting in the pew next to me. I'm supposed to love you? Why? You're nothing like me. You're old. You're young. You're ugly. You're too pretty. Why? Well, thankfully, John gives us a little bit of a picture of why we should get to know one another and and love one another. But uh, first, uh, there's a danger here. Let me put that danger warning up. Uh, There's a danger to just sort of have this red, like a line from a Hallmark card that your great Uncle Jerry sent to you. And you're like, where's the check? That's the only thing that matters. It's right at the end. 1 John 3, verse 3, actually. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. I'll read it again, just so that uh, maybe all that homeworkness can get out of your head. And all those who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Well, we know purity, yeah. Uh, we, we, we even probably know that we're not pure. That's why we're confessing confession and absolution. That's probably what we'll be thinking about when we come to Holy Communion, saying, I'm not pure. Thank goodness Jesus loves me so much that he gave me his body and blood. We know that we're not pure. We know that there's probably some stuff that we should do that, well, we don't, and some stuff that we do do, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing that, and that we're not pure because of it. We understand purity even at a level that is not religious. We understand that there's this thing called purity in life and that we probably don't have it. In fact, we chase after it. We're looking for more pure experiences, more pure food. We're getting whole foods here in Tallahassee. More purity in things like our water, in our thought. But John says something really bizarre about purity. He says, well, if you want purity, I'll tell you how to get it. And you're expecting John to be a good moralistic Christian and say, follow the Ten Commandments, you dirty sinner. And instead he says, hope. What? Hope? I'll stick to trying the Ten Commandments, thanks. How is that going to work? How am I going to get to be pure? By hoping? Well, if you look at your families, it actually probably might begin to make a little bit more sense. Think about, in your families, the times that you've really been hoping for something to happen to one of them or to more of them. Maybe you've been hoping for a baby to come as we have been here in this congregation. Maybe you've been hoping that, well, maybe finally they'll graduate. That was my family for a while. Four majors count them. Yeah. Maybe it's just hope that they won't do anything stupid again. Maybe it's hope that they'll get married. 
whatever it is, if you focus on that hope in your family, you'll notice that things get a lot purer. That things actually begin to work a lot more smoothly. Because all of a sudden you're not so worried about, well, they slighted me last Thanksgiving. And all of a sudden your focus is devoted to that hope. I hope that when the baby comes they're okay. I hope that when they get married that they can actually stay married together for the rest of their lives like it's supposed to be. I hope that they graduate and they're able to get a job. You see, when you begin to live in that hope, it purifies you because it cleanses everything else out. It pushes everything else away. And John tells us that a hope in Jesus is a very special kind of hope. Because when we hope in Him, we begin to see that He's the hope of all mankind. That because He died on a cross for us and forgave us of our sins, that when we're hoping for Him to return, we're actually hoping for something for ourselves, but we're also hoping for something for you, the other person. See, we're hoping that One of these days, you're going to be able to look at Jay Winters, and you're not going to be able to detect a trace of sin. That when I look at you, that I'm not going to be able to detect a trace of sin on you. Because we're hoping in Him who transforms our lives with His love. And so when I get to know you, even when I get to know how you sin, that there's a reason for hope there. That I can begin to hope in you not being tied to those sins anymore. Because Jesus Christ has made you His saint. His holy one. I gave you a Greek word last week. I'll give you one this week. Hagios. Holy One. It's what we translate into saint. That's who you are right now. But it's even more who you will be when the resurrection comes. Because right now you're both sinner and saint together. In a weird 100% both ways. But then you'll just be 100% sinner. Er, saint. Hopefully, baptism available. Um, But then when, if you have your faith in Him, you will be 100% saint. In this whole transformed by the cross thing, we're asking you to do some things this year. Last week I was talking about how if you're a member here that we expect you to personally be there available for Christ to transform with your relationship with Him personally. Through things like learning stuff, doing stuff, and and adopting attitudes. Today we're talking about the next piece of that which is being transformed in your relationships with people here. The people that you maybe have never talked to or maybe the people that you you get up and you do that uh, peace of the Lord thing, and you never say anything else, those people, or the people that when you go through that directory, you're like, who is that? 
We want you to get to know those people. Because of the resurrection, because of the day when Jesus Christ comes back, when our hope arrives and you are able to see that person transformed by their hope in a coming Savior who has washed all of their sins away and made them saints. You might say, I'll have all of eternity to get to know the people in the resurrection. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll just save it till then. But if you do, you're going to miss out on an important thing. You see, the people that you get to know in the resurrection, they're not going to have any sins anymore. And if you don't get to know them now, you're never going to get to know them as sinners. And it's going to be such an awesome thing to be able to be in that resurrection and to look at that person that you were like, I knew you were a dirty, despicable sinner. And now you're not. Now you're a saint along with me because of what Jesus Christ has done for us all. Amen. So in this